The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to today's edition of Brutal Nation. I am your illustrious host, the one, the only, the beast from the East, Scott Alexander. Yeah. Why are you the beast from the East, too? Well, because you said I'm your illustrious host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the beast from the East, Scott Alexander. I am not Scott Alexander. Did I say right across from me? Yes. I think so. Either that or I'm so used to you saying no, it. No, I, I said that you're just used to it, man. Cause, you uh, know, yeah, I was going to say it's so common. Maybe that's what I heard and you didn't <laughs> say it. But. Right across from me is the one, the only, the helmet-wearing, window-licking retard herself. Stop calling me the R-word. You know I don't like that. Okay, fine. The mentally challenged one herself. Is that but Now, see, to me, that sounds worse than saying <laughs> retard. Like, for real, man, because, like... The slow one herself. <laughs> that sounds bad, too. Like, for real. <laughs> Tammy Underwood. And let me explain why. Because, like, if I look at my friends and I go... And, like, my buddy Brandon, I talk about all the time. If I look oh, at yeah. him and go, dude, you're a freaking retard. We all have those retard moments. We understand. But if I say, oh, yeah. oh Brandon, you're mentally challenged. Dude, that's offensive. <laughs> or, oh, well, you're slow. We used to say that all the time growing up, too. Stop being such, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when my nephew, my youngest nephew... From my sister. My sister's youngest child was born. He was born with Down syndrome. No, I and, dig. I and dig. so when I heard an adult say, get that, you know, off the merry-go-round, I, like, flipped out and told a friend of mine, and my friend went and beat his ass. No, that, that yeah, I totally so understand. it's always bothered me. That R word has always bothered me. Like, seriously, I'm not going to call somebody who's me- seriously, right. like, for real men. Like, your, 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 your nephew that has right. Downs, I'm not going to look at him and go, look at that retard. Because that is, right. that's Jack. That is being offensive. Well, and the funny thing about him is he's non-communicative, which means what he says, work, things come out, of, sounds come out of his mouth, but you can't understand them. That's like me he when I'm drunk. In front of the, he was standing from the TV when his adopted parents were like watching televangelists, and he would carry around a book going, doo, 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 like he was preaching. Um, but <laughs> Preach he understands brother. everything you say. No, you I know? dig. And he's just the cutest, most awesome little boy ever. Well, he's <laughs> a big boy now, but yeah. So big. Well, no, he's like a giant. I mean, not as giant as my son, but he's, I mean, because I still remember him when he was like knee high to a grasshopper. You know, that's a Midwest phrase, maybe a Southern phrase, too. Yeah, know. it's both. That's both. All yeah. right. So I have a special shout out today, yes. actually, because this got forwarded to me from from, from our team, uh, a guy by the name of Brian Ingalls. So for our listeners out there, Brian, this one's for you, buddy. Those of you who've heard it, yeah. I'm still well, laughing. Let me tell you where he's from first. All right. tell. Yeah, tell he him. is from North Highlands, California. And apparently he sent another email saying it's in the central Cali, Sacramento County area. Oh, and okay. It's I thought actually, that was his email. place is only a few miles for where, from where Richard Trenton Chase did committed his crimes. Oh, son of a so bitch. So I okay. like really want to go visit Brian Engel. No like, kidding, dude, man. We want to visit you. Take us on the murder tour. Because <laughs> I, I really thought because I, I sent him an email back as him and I right. were kind of had a couple of emails so far uh, saying, "Isn't that down San Bernardino?" Because it sounded to me like it was San Bernardino, but I didn't know it was up there by by the right. Sac area. Huh? Yeah. Well, well yeah, and. Yeah, he's awesome, you know, because he did say that he's been, he found our show on Spotify, so he hasn't even heard, you know, 
heard of us on Facebook or anything, and he's been binging it ever since. Now, check this out, boys and girls. So yeah. I, I get this email, and I'm reading it, and I'm cracking up because as much as I said that I wanted that recipe for uh, Otis Tool's human oh, barbecue sauce. Totally, totally. He sent it to me. Yeah, he, yeah, he sent actually a screenshot of yeah. Otis Tool's actual recipe with signed Otis Tool. Yeah. So yeah, it, I, when I saw it, I go. When I saw it, I saw a tool BBQ, and I'm like, "What?" And so I opened it. And I'm like, "No way, dude!" But yeah, I'm gonna try to make it like for real, and uh, excluding a couple of ingredients, like well, I'm not yeah, adding because, human blood to it. Yeah, because I, I would add like the um, like a tomato sauce. Yeah, you know? yeah, that, that yeah. would probably work really, but, really. And well. don't put the jalapenos in there because they can ask for a whole cup of jalapeno peppers. That's a lot. That is not. Jalapenos aren't even that spicy. They Come on. me with my ulcer. Whatever. You got a little sand in your vagina and now you're crying? No, because I have an ulcer and it's painful. Whatever. Whatever, dickhead. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Thanks, Brian. That That is totally badass. Yeah, Brian. Dude, that is badass. <laughs> we, we were happy to get that email because it wasn't complaining about, you know, whatever we talk about. So, the, <laughs> the, there was one more thing that I wanted to bring up. So... One of our loyal listeners, Jen Dahl, was the first person to buy one of the Citizens of Brutal Nation t-shirts, right? Yes. And she sent me pictures of her wearing the t-shirt. Did she get it yesterday? Uh, I think she got it Which yesterday was Friday. Oh, yesterday was Friday, wasn't it? Yes. I'm sorry. My my brain is still on on playing shows because we got this one, then we got the big one on the fourth, and then... With the album release, and we've got just so much shit going on. That I, I, I know. We have fuck. so much. We have been busier and crap, yeah. and I'm redoing the blog so that they're more reader-friendly and visually, you know, appealing so that, you know, they look right for people to keep wanting to scroll and not like, this is a jumbled mess. And I'm trying to start my career with mi- in porn with midgets and grannies. I mean, there's things going on. And, and Koreans. And, and Korean girls. But I'm yeah. starting off with your mom. That's my first porn right there. Dude, we barely got through your introductions. We're done. <laughs> I'm going to call it Tammy Don't Know. That, that's going to be Tammy Don't Know dot 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 and then list what you did. <laughs> yes, exactly. I will exactly. hurt you. <laughs> I'm going to call it the Diary of Jittering Jan you or Gyrating I, Jan. I like I that one. I do not like you at all. <laughs> that's good times. All right, boys and girls. So here's what we got going on. Of course, today... It's Saturday, so who do we have calling in? But Keith Jesperson himself. Right. So that's pretty normal. But we got some other really cool shows coming up. Believe it or not, I have been in contact with uh, with Dennis Rader, the BTK yes. killer. Him and I email yes. back and forth, as well as a guy by the name of Tom, Todd Colehemp. Colehemp. That's it. K O H L H E P P. Don't talk about my PP like that. Oh, honey, I'd have to, never mind. Oh, you're so brutal. God I have damn. Kind of a little. Something's wrong with you. Fuck Something, me running. You know, I get it from you. Like you those, like, like those uh, old commercials where the uh, the dad finds the, the kid smoking a cigarette. Where did you learn this? From you, dad. I learned it from you. Yeah, That's in Christmas Story when he swears, too. Oh, it is? His, yeah, they put his mom rushes him home and puts soap in his mouth. And, you know, the big bars of soap that are lie-based and, you know, makes him 
hold it in his mouth for a while. And then she comes in and she goes, where did you learn that word? From so-and-so? He goes, no, from dad. And she went out and then she goes, you, you need it. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> That's good times, man. Yeah. All right, you ready? Can we get into the call now? Yes, we All can. Right. it was a good conversation. Here's calls one and two. I got to tell you, man, throughout the four calls, it did take a word turn for the strange. But y'all well, will yeah, see. Yeah, the first two calls, these two calls were pretty right on target but yeah the next ones are hilarious that's right and we should actually now that i'm thinking about hold a, con- uh, a contest who looks better in the t-shirt i don't know i think that jen looks pretty good in her twisted, uh, her twisted yeah her, uh, fans, we should run a contest t-shirt. for that when dang right more. just like post it on our you know did you tell her to post it in the citizens of brutal nation page no i'm gonna I'm, yeah you I'm should tell her that tell because her that. that's a good idea yeah all right let's get into the call all right you're welcome, lady. Oh, uh, good morning, Keith. How you doing, buddy? Uh, good morning. It's eight o'clock. It is. I I was Scott a little didn't slow. Scott get on... to the computer in time. His fat butt couldn't get there. Fast I enough. was on my way to the bathroom and I saw the dang call pop up, and I'm sitting there going, "I gotta uh-huh. get that." And then it was gone. I'm a son of a bitch. Well, I figured that I'd call every five minutes increments to find out whether or not you're really ready or not. No, yeah, I, I, I was ready. <laughs> I was ready until I had to go to the bathroom. It's just my luck, man. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about the uh, the what we're calling the missing body. Right, the Jane Doe. The Jane Doe. The Jane Doe missing body. Right. Uh, my my third. Murder. Yes. She was, okay, so she was your third victim. Can be- you hear me? Yeah, I can hear okay. you fine. Yeah, uh, because uh, she might not be. She might not be dead. Right, because they can't. I. You didn't. Didn't you bury her though? Well, I I, I put her in the uh, powdered dirt parking lot. Oh. Uh. Probably covered her up, and I figured that other trucks would just drive her over the top of her and probably squash whatever it is down into the dirt. And as well, powdery well. dirt as it was, I thought it'd probably be like mummified her by now. You would think, you would think, because because Barry Mitchell is helping you in in trying to locate this yeah. missing well, yeah. this missing body. Well, Briar Mitchell is writing a book or wrote a book called Serial Killers Then and Now. Right, right. And uh, in in our correspondence, I'd mentioned to her, like, well, why don't we? Uh, you know, they they had this uh, Patricia Skipple was identified through Ancestry dot com. And we decided, you know, I thought, well, maybe we should find out who the other other Jane Doe's are and maybe push the narrative of, of trying to find out who they are because why not? You know, we got that, uh, the new uh, Ancestry.com and, and maybe get their DNA pushed through it. But she had a hell of a time going through the police because, you know, oh, yeah. they, don't, they, they don't like help. They like help when it's their way, but they don't like help when it's not. That's true. Right. She, she was telling us about trying that. Trying to figure it out, and they don't. They're at that point where they're going like, "We don't know if we want someone on the outside to catch to beat us to the punch," kind of thing. Right. Well, she was telling us about that, about how they were very confrontational. Yeah. Well, she actually got a call from the coroner down there that said, "Why are you trying to investigate this case?" And she's like, "I'm not investigating nothing. I'm just funding it, and yeah, so we can find a body in there." Oh, da 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 da. Yeah, like they apparently they yeah. they trigger a new ass. Well, you know this this, this whole case has got a, a a bad spin to it, right? And it's, and the, and, and let me just start at the, at the beginning. When I murdered her was in around August of ninety two. 
Okay. Okay. Now, they found a body there, but they didn't find my body there. Right. They found a, a woman by the name of Cynthia Lynn Rose, which was uh, dressed in a red top and a skirt, and she was supposedly placed by a tree in the very back of the of the Blueberry Hill Cafe parking lot. And there was an old rackety old building back there that, uh, you know, that I was aware that was there, but that's not where I put the body. I, mine, I was, was in 50 feet of that. Right. But they never found, they have never found the one I put there, so they assumed that when I mentioned that I put a body behind the Blueberry Hill Cafe in Livingston, California, that that was the body they were talking about. That just answered my question, because I was going to say, was that down at Riverside, or is that Livingston? So you answered my question. Uh, Sweet! Okay. Livingston, which is in Merced County. Right, right, right. And my next question is... um, Oh, never mind. I forgot it. I overslept this morning, so I can't think of it. I'll, I'll get to it you here. You need more coffee. I do. <laughs> well, the thing is with this case is that when I was uh, arrested in 1995, when I turned myself in, and we were going through these cases uh, from the original, the happy face letter that went out in 1994, it mentioned this case. But that's why they claimed that the Cynthia Lynn Rose murder was mine, right? Okay. Now... In 1995, when I was claiming that I killed Tanya Bennett and that we're trying to get those two people released from prison, Multnomah County jumped up and down and said I was a liar and that I was I didn't do it. And, this. and they were looking for people to reinforce their belief that I was lying about things. So they went to Livingston, went to Merced County and said, well, you sure Jesperson did this murder. They said, well, no, she died of a drug overdose. You know, she didn't. Uh. She wasn't murdered. She died of a drug overdose, which is what happened to Cynthia and Rose. She actually was died of a drug overdose, apparently. Right. And then they went to this, the, the one where the body was found along Highway 152 on the other side near, on the way to Gilroy. Okay. And that's, this, that's the Patricia Skipple case. Now, originally, that one was the, the coroner ruled that as a drug overdose and it wasn't a murder. So they both jumped on board with Multnomah County. Oh, Jesperson's just a liar. He didn't. He didn't do this one. He didn't do that one. And and he, so he must have not have done the Bennett case. But then we have, you know, where I'm trying to use the Bennett. You know, but also the Penland murder. They want me to solve that one. They want me to solve the other ones. Right. So I, either am I telling the truth about one or not the other? Yeah. Kind of a thing, you know? Am I lying? About him? You know, yeah. Did I lie now or do I lie then? And, and, and on and on and on we go. So the moment I prove that I did do the Bennett murder, then these two other cases fell silent. Oh. All of a sudden, they were out of the news like, oh, my God, you know, he did prove that one. Okay, so now now what? Right. So they've, 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 they've jumped all over this case here, this one in Livingston, saying, well, it was mine. <laughs> but but it's not. See, I have a life sentence in writing. Right. Should I go in front of a judge to settle my murder case in Livingston or in Merced County? But they don't. They've never. Every time they, I thought about going down there and get take care of. Went to Riverside. or went to San Jose, California. When I went to both those places, we we applied the question. Well, why don't we take care of the Merced County case now? And they said no. Okay. They kept pushing it back. They said, we're not going to do this. We're not going to settle this. Well, that's because they know the Central murder case isn't mine. 
Okay. They know that when they came to investigate me back in 1996, when they came in and they offered the deal, and they came in, we sat there and talked about it. One of the detectives said, well, it doesn't even sound like what is our case that we're working on. <clears throat> okay. And so they were dealing with this. So that's the big, the big push on this, is that I put mine in the middle of the parking lot underneath a tumbleweed. Okay. And there, and since then, Rose was put in, in next to this building in the back of the parking lot there under a tree. Okay. Now, so, okay, that's what I was going to ask. Mine was fully, well, mine only had a red top with, with blue jeans, and, and since then, it had a red top with a skirt. Okay. That, le- that makes me yeah. wonder if she changed her clothes after her death. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> no. These jeans don't Maybe match my eyes. Maybe somebody went out I- there and changed them for her. <laughs> These jeans don't match my eyes. I need I need my skirt. That's what I need. Then I'll feel pretty. Now, now the, do- the prostitutes the, pro- the prostitutes that work the area of the uh, Turlock Rest area all wear red tops. Oh, that's interesting. At that time. Every one of them. So when you drove in, you knew who the hooker was, right? You had a red top on. I don't wear. I do have a couple of red shirts. I'm fighting Scott. I'm on to you. No, I told you. You keep on working Sandy <laughs> Boulevard. That was, uh, that was what was. You know, when you pulled into the parking lot there and you, at night and you see a gal wearing a red top, chances are she is a prostitute working the area. Wow. And that's why when I, and when I put mine in the back of the Blueberry Hill Cafe, um, she had a red top on, but and also did Cynthia and Rose. It just so happened she was put there. Now, doesn't that, that was Cynthia and Rose a prostitute, or was it just coincidental that she had a red top on? Right now, did they I ever determine a time of death on Cynthia? It was right about the same time. Oh, it right was about the same time I put mine there. Yeah, within weeks. Okay, I just so, was trying to figure yeah. out if the time of death was a different. Around you know. August, August uh, later part of August, first part of September of, of 92. And you murdered the Jane Doe, you said August of 92, do you remember when? August of 92. Right, That's but long the date. Oh, you don't remember the date? I, I don't remember the exact date. I mean, okay. I, I, I remember what, what loads I had on. I had a load of Washington beef that was going to Fresno. Okay. See, he remembers the, the load, but not I the have. date. <laughs> I don't remember the exact okay. date of it. Okay, because I, mean, I knew you remembered some dates remember before. Their times. Right. Truckers have a, have, have a tendency to remember the loads they were on when they were doing this, not necessarily the dates. Okay. Gotcha. Now, I know it's a, uh, the approximate time because my second murder happened, like, within two weeks of my third murder. Okay. Gotcha. And that was up there in Riverside County, California. And that was a load of French fries going to Smith Foods in Phoenix. Oh, there you go, Scott. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> the I, fry guy. <laughs> what, what he's saying is actually really correct because, like, yesterday I had to deliver over to uh, West Rock in Portland off of Foster Road. I can't tell you when I was there last, but as soon as uh, Chief Whiteclaw pulled it up on uh, on Google Earth, I looked, oh, no, I know exactly where that is. I know, I, I, I know that I have to turn down, like, Woodstock Court. To get onto their scale, I've, I've, I've been there. I, I can't tell you when. I can't tell you, but I know that I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just that's the trucker's mind. We all we all we have these locations in our head. When, whenever I called in and the guy said, "Well, this is where you're going to go pick up," if I I know the name, I said, "All right, I know where that is. I know where this is. At. I know where that is." You know, I'm bouncing from one to the other. And uh, when I was back, when I was running for Jerry Steel Supply back between '83 and '86. Um, I had probably 20 different steel yards that I would go to 
and all you and he just they'd give me a list of where I'm headed, and they wouldn't have to give me an address because I already knew where it was. Wow. So yeah, you know, you just and you'd bounce around Seattle or or, or Tacoma or, or down to Portland, and, and I would just know where these places are, and I, I would just go to them and wouldn't have to. Now I often thought about, well, the driver that comes behind me, maybe I should make these little three by five cards with a little little. Um, map on how to get to the places for the next driver but i said you know what let him figure that out right well even going coast to coast you know if, if you're picking up out of like portland for example and they said you're going to go down to i don't know like tulsa oklahoma you're routing that trip before you ever look at your atlas and for those of you oh, yeah, you yeah, know what an atlas your, is during your head where, where which way you're going to go yeah thought, here's a really interesting story i was in i was in a trout gale and uh, at the Burns Brothers Truck Stop, which is now the TA Truck Stops of America, I believe. But anyway, I was you in there. Correct. And I was, I was, you know, having my morning breakfast. It was like, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning or 5.30 or something like that. And some guy come over and he said, hey, man, you're familiar. I've heard you're familiar with the Portland area. And I said, well, yes, I am. And he hands me this, this his bill of lading. He said, man, i got to get to this place here by, by 7 o'clock in the morning. And I look at it and I'm going like, man, you've got to. You really, you really got to get going here. He said, "What do you mean?" I says, um, "This is Portland, Maine." Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> you need to like you go know, now. The guy, the guy loaded. The guy loaded his load in like Chicago. Wow! Oh, his boss says, uh, "You're headed to Portland. You know, make make sure you're there there by Monday morning and come like that." Oh my God! And so he says, "I just assumed it was Portland, Oregon." He didn't even bother looking at the address. Jesus That's right. Which state it was, and he just headed to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> that is so funny. It was so really funny. funny. It is, you know, but the guy was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked to another guy. We, you know, he wrote us, or I can't remember if he, oh, no, that was you about, no, it was, I think it was Ward, that he drove to a different area. Like in Idaho, and it was actually in Oregon. He didn't know that there was a small town in Oregon. So, yeah, yeah. There's, there's uh, you get in this comfort zone where you're thinking, well, if you're going to head to Portland, Oregon, it's Portland. You've got right. Portland, Oregon's not Portland, Maine. Right. Well, in Portland, now, Oregon's Portland, more popular Maine. than Portland, Maine. You know, like Maxwell yeah, Smart said, missed both. it by that much. <laughs> right. I have a tendency to look down at my bill of lady and go like, okay, all right, where exactly is this? Oh, it's in another state. Great. Yeah. You know, we got to know where we're going. It's like it's like hauling um, potato chips. Right. right. Now, a lot of people think, well, how hard is it to haul potato chips? Those are light loads, you know. I'm probably only hauling 20,000 pounds of potato chips in a whole semi-load, right? Them in paint, it's a pain and in the ass. But, you know, I... I I had my girlfriend with me, uh, my last victim was with me, and this was back in 1993, and I said, uh, well, I got a load of potato chips. She said, well, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Denver, Colorado. And she said, well, that'd be a quick run. I said, no, 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 it's not that quick. Yeah. Said, Why not? She said, well, so I have to go up 15 all the way up over and get into Wyoming and shoot across and then come right. back down into Colorado. So why do we have to go all that way? I said, because of the elevation. Yep. Right. I can't go up over, I couldn't go over over Eisenhower Tunnel up there on 70 because all the potato chips would pop. Wow. I, I would, I've, I've seen a load of, of uh, you know, of, you know, conventionaries, you know, like uh, popcorn and stuff like that, hauled by a Snyder trailer. And a Snyder trailer up on I-70 was, was split in half because it exploded. Wow. And because that's the be- air gets so thin up there and, he, and okay. he's 
Cato, you ever gone up there to go snow skiing up in the mountains, and you go buy a bag of tater chips, and the things are just, it's, it's, it's like a balloon. Wow. You just rattle it inside, you wonder how come that balloon, well, that's that's the error, difference in the error. The well, pressure, the, the... Yeah, the pressure, yeah. I mean, there's... The air expands up the higher you go. Right. That air that was, these were manufactured down at sea level, and all of a sudden you're up there, you know, 5,000, 6,000 feet in the air. Right. And it gets thin up there while well, it expands, and then inside of a trailer, it'll, it'll actually tear a trailer apart. Holy anyway. cow. Yep, that and Cool Whip. I called Cool Whip at a thought. <laughs> no, seriously, like Avondale, uh, New York. No, I thought and I had an image. Never mind. Don't get those images. You're so, weird. But yeah, but anyway, uh, back somewhere. to the back to the story. We're getting sidetracked here. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're getting sidetracked. But anyway, that's the problem with my case. I've mentioned this before. I said there's so much little things in my in in my life that you know, people will start asking this question, and I'll go to this direction, and that direction, and we'll forget all all about what we're talking right. about. Scott does that too. So in this, that's in I'm this case here. The, the Cynthia and Rose case is not mine, even though on the tombstone, I guess, they have murdered by the happy face killer. Oh, yeah, yeah I that's think that's on um, findagrave.com or org, where you can go look up, you know, where people are buried and when they passed away and stuff, which I use constantly Who when I'm doing it? research. Yeah, yeah. No, well, sometimes that. they say but, that if they're, I yeah. I didn't do her. Okay. Yes, I did not do her, but they've listed her as mine because they couldn't find the other body. Okay. And so this one I killed was in the, it was, and, and the way that went down was I was, I pulled in the rest there going south and there was no parking spot. Right. And I just parked her and this girl comes walking out there and I was like looking, well, I had a few hours to spend, let's say. I'm not going to say I had, I had time to kill. Right. Maybe I did. In, in <laughs> I like way, that. But in a way, this is how it lays out. So she's there. She gets up in the up on the truck, and I said, "You know, um, there's no parking spot here. Why don't we go down the end of the on ramp there, and I'll pull over the sides, and we'll take care of business then." And she says she didn't want to leave the parking lot. Wow. I said, "Wow." So now I have to find a parking spot or make one. So I ended up driving past everything and backing in alongside, in front of all the other trucks, and I parked. You know, sort of got parked, and when she gets in. There's a knock on the side of the door, and there's two other girls that had climbed up on my running board, had their faces shoved up against the glass of my truck, staring inside. And the problem was, is I was in the middle of strangling this one. Oh, wow. (laughs) And And these two were looking at me while I was inside there, and I was like panicking. I was like, oh, shit, you know, this is... I just, you know, she came in and I just went right down and I started, I was just going to kill her and get over with. I just, that was my intention was, I was mad at the parking, uh, that that they were, that the girls had overrun the the rest area. Right. So where we couldn't park anywhere. Okay. And I was, I was so mad when I pulled in and couldn't find a parking spot. I was (laughs) mad at the fact that I couldn't find a parking spot anywhere. And I had to, and and she wouldn't get in the truck unless I've made a parking spot. Which oh. I did, and that, and I was in the middle. I just, I she got in, and I went over, and I just, I just started to strangle her. I just, but then these two were knocking, were knocking on the glass, looking in, and I was, I was panicked. I, oh shit, you know, I caught, I was caught. So right. I jumped up and got in the driver's seat and hit my air, and, and I drove out of the, out of the parking spot. And 
headed down the road. Now, I didn't know whether she was dead or not, so I pulled over at the next exit and finished the job, I think. Not really sure I even did. I was, just, I was panicky because these two had seen me, and I didn't know whether they'd seen what, what they saw or whatever. But eventually, I, I, the next day, I had actually uh, tried to look through the side window to see if I could see anything in the sleeper, and I couldn't, even in daylight. Okay. Because it was dark in the back. It was just, it was just like a dark hole. So I was safe to myself. But anyway, I was trying to decide where I was going to put it. Now, when I got to the first exit, I, I stopped and I, I thought I'd done it. And then I made sure I didn't know whether she's going to wake up or not. So I, so I tied her up. Okay. I used duct tape on her, on her, on her wrists and her ankles and, and around her mouth, and, and I ran down, I drove down to the Blueberry Hill Cafe, and I think, well, you know what, there's a, I could do it in the back there, I could, so I, I parked around the back, and I walked around the parking lot, and this dirt powder that's like six inches deep or better, well, it's been run on over and over again, so you know how the dirt just kind of like powdery, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I walked around the parking lot, look, and there's a lot of trucks parked there, and this was like 3.34 in the morning, and Nobody was up, I don't think, right? Right. So I'm looking like, I'm just I'm just kind of like staring up there and seeing if anyone's watching kind of thing. And then I walk back and I throw her over my shoulder and walk to the middle of the parking lot. And, I, and there's a big tumbleweed there. And I, I kind of lifted the tumbleweed and put her underneath the tumbleweed and, and threw dirt all over the top of her, kind of like. Okay. I figured someone would drive over and whatever, maybe whatever. But she was never found. Right. Did, she, did I did, did I kill her? Or did I not? Okay. This is a big question. So she might have got up. Let's just, let's say she got up and walked away. Right. And said, "I'm never going to hook again. I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> this is a close call. Blah. Right. You know, this is a done deal. We're not doing this anymore." Right. And then, and she walks away from the whole thing. Well, she's not there. And then. Cicelyn Rose's body shows up 50 feet away from, from mm -hmm. where I put mine, and, and all of a sudden now I'm that's the one they want to blame me for. Right, right. Now, in, in 2009, I was on my way to Riverside County to mm -hmm. take care of this, my first, my second murder. And on the way down there, the, the detective hands me a, a photograph of mm -hmm. this girl laying in a fetal position on her left side. And she says, he says to me, well, tell me about her. And I, said, I looked at the picture, and I said, well, I don't know who that is. And I handed it back. He said, you don't know who that is? I said, no, I, I have no idea who that is. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, that's Cynthia and Rose. I said, well, if that's Cynthia and Rose, I didn't do Cynthia and Rose, and that's not mine. Right. Mine was in a dirt parking lot. This one that showed me was on a hard, hard ground. Right. There was no dirt, you know, powdered dirt, and there's a tree right next to her. So that's okay. not mine. Okay. And that's where this thing comes about now. Since they have not found the body. Now, now what Briar is trying to do, now she, she's going on the assumption that maybe I did kill her mm -hmm. and that she was buried there and that maybe some truck drove over or trucks and squashed her into the ground and because the dirt was so powdery, just covered her up. Right. And they're, she's going on the basis that if she can locate this, the exact spot where I said it happened, Okay. And then they'll bring in these cadaver dogs from San Diego 
And if, if the dogs hit on this and they dig down, they find the bones, and of course that's, that, that kills, pardon me, that kills the uh, Cincinnati and Rose case. Right. It would and revert then, her back to an OD then. Yes. And then, of course, the detectives will go like, well, they're mad that maybe, maybe, that she will find the body right. that I put there. And they've ignored it all this time. Right. Yeah, I, I, I drew a map, and I said, this is where it is. And you just take a couple shovels. It won't take long. Right. And go down, you know, two or three feet, let's say, of powdered dirt that went down, and maybe very down, or not, not even that far. And you might find it. And if you find it, then, of course, that, that solves everything, right? But nobody did. Wow. Nobody, yeah, none of the cops decided to go out there with a shovel and dig down and find out whether or not I was telling it right. like it is. And that's what that's what Breyer wants to do. Right. And if she does that, and of course, the detectives in Merced County are going to have egg on their face for not following through right. with what I told them back in 1996. Right, because yeah, because Breyer sent us a picture of the map that you drew her, and it you know yeah. it's very detailed. So, um, so this is kind of my next question because people are like, why did you know why are they submitting DNA when it was like the 1990s? But you didn't do anything to try to cover up DNA except for on no. Cynthia. I mean, except for on Tanya, right? There was no DNA on Tanya. No, when when you cut her thing, you wanted to get rid of your fingerprints or something on her butt. Well, I want to get rid of my fingerprints. Yeah, that's what I meant. I had, yeah, I, I got rid. Yeah. I cut rid of her flyer to get rid of my fingerprints. Right, but you didn't do anything to try to, you know, not like deposit DNA well, I didn't on your other victims. I, there, was, there was no knowledge of DNA at the time. Oh, okay. Or blood or whatever. Right. I figured that they could have gone in the house and sprayed with luminol and found out there was a crime scene there. Right. They say they can do that years and years and years later. They can spray right. a, a, an area and, and the proteins and what the blood left behind right. would, uh, you know, illuminate the whole damn wall. That's why it's called illumination. I guess. Right, right. Because I think it was starting in the late 80s, early 90s when they started the DNA. And back then, wasn't it yeah. just blood type, Scott? Yeah, there's a blood typing, so they could, and they could tell just a few things from it. They could tell right. like for, through DNA, whether it's uh, blood or seminal fluid, they could tell, for example, uh, your blood type. Um, and if you were an A, B, A or B secretor, and what right. the RNA was, yeah, yeah, that, that is ba- very basic. And now they can tell you like what you had for breakfast and <laughs> your favorite movie, and yeah, <laughs> I mean, they can yeah, tell you and sure. they, yeah, and they rule it down to like a they can't rule it down to a hundred percent. It's like because when they did a paternity test with my son's father, like you couldn't tell he was Asian, right? Um, <laughs> but it was like um, it was like ninety nine point nine nine percent, and I was like. Okay. Your son's so Asian that he comes with his own subtitles. <laughs> yeah, my son is very, I mean, you can tell he's Asian. So, but, yeah, it's well, like. That, that, count, that counts me out, right? That, well, <laughs> okay, you want to hear a funny, you want to hear story. a funny story? <laughs> so I was talking to my mom this morning, and we happened to mention my sister's dad, because my sister's five years older, well, four and a half years older than me. And we were talking about that, and. She had actually met a truck driver at a bar, and when she told him she was pregnant, he left. And I said, well, you're in your 70s, and so I'm pretty sure it wasn't Keith Jesperson. And then she paused for a minute, like a full minute, and then she goes, oh, ha ha. <laughs> well, you know, I, I get this all the time. I had, I had a guy in here said, you know, my, 
my uh, sister uh, worked at the Jubas truck stop. Here we go with the Jubas again. And uh, said that you flirted with her. And I said, well, what year was this? He said, well, that was in 1997. I said, I was in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, gotta, you come up with a different story on that. Yeah. You know, because uh, she's, she's working when I was already incarcerated. Yeah. Yeah. I get this from time to time. Yeah, my sister's yeah. ex-husband bragged about the fact that he smoked cigarettes with Wesley Allen Dodd at a park here in Vancouver. I'm like, that is not really, you know, whatever. Because yeah, <laughs> out of all the serial killers that we've done, Dodd has got to be one that disgusts me the most. Because yeah. he preyed all on children. And right. that's, that's a big thing for me and is, then, is yeah. well, you know, nice kids. The detective, the detective that, arrested, that had his handcuffs on me, uh, Rick Buckner, he bragged about being the one that arrested Wesley Allen Dodd. And I said, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wesley Allen Dodd was caught by some 16-year-old coming out of a uh, theater. He held him for the city right. police. And the city police were holding on to him when you showed up with your handcuffs. So you can't tell me you arrested him Yeah, like you're the one that caught him. You didn't catch nothing. All you <laughs> well, and that's just it. Yeah, because he was held by Camas police until uh, Multnomah County got there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right, right. Well, I was, I was living in Portland at the time. So my, I remember big hoopla going on. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. what's going on here? And he said, Wesley Allen Dodd, and they, they, some 60-year-old recognized him or, or something along the line. He tried he, to pick up someone. Yeah, he tried and, to kidnap uh, another kid, kid out of the bathroom. on him. Yeah. The kid turned him on him and uh, held him before the cops. And then, right. Well, that's, that's how all that ended. Now, right. one thing about him was that uh, he, was, he was sentenced to death by hanging. And from what I was told is that uh, when it was time came for he did not appeal anything. He said, right. I told him, he said, if you let me go, I will do it again and all this. And so right. It only took about two years for him to be executed. Right. Walla Walla. One minute remaining. Now, when he when he was, was executed, he walked to the gallows and he yeah. stuck his neck in the noose and said, right. let's get it over with. Right. And I'll call you right back. Yeah, call us right back. All right, buddy. Because... Oh, no, I got a bad serial killer calling into the show. I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah, but here you have, you know, I remember back on uh, September 30th of 95 when I called Phil Stanford on the phone about four or five times, and he wrote an article in the Willamette Week, which uh, was published in October, I think, 4th or 5th of October uh, in, in 1995. It was called uh, Phone Calls from a Killer or something like that. You know, talking of phone calls from a serial killer or some damn thing. It was, it was stupid. It really was a, a kind of a stupid way of, of portraying it. Uh, because I was trying to call him to let him know that uh, the justice wasn't being done with the Benedict. And they made a big, he made a big uh, story out of it. And that's all he was after was a big story. Oh, it was like that one author that you and I were talking about that published the uh, that uh, whole thing about, you know, uh, talking to Keith Jesperson ruined my life, and I got a divorce because of it. And oh, it was mean, oh, that scary. Was, uh, that was Matthew William Phelps. Yeah, that was it, Phelps. Yeah, yeah. when when yeah, he wrote well, that know, stuff. The problem with Phelps, now, now Phelps wrote me back in September of 2011, and he wrote me about uh, wanting me to be part of his 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 uh, show called uh, uh, Dark Minds, which is on Investigation Discovery Channel. And I ended up being uh, his character, Raven, and we named Raven, right. uh, in seasons two and three, in which I would take a case on 
that somebody else has done and it's an unsolved murder case. And I would look at all the information that was available and then I would give him on a phone call, like I'm talking to you, my best guess scenario to Phelps as well as uh, to John Kelly, who's a, who's a psych at the time. Right. And we would, we would go through this, this case and I'd give him my best guess on who I thought did it. Right. And that was on Dark Minds. Now, you know, now the I biggest problem with Phelps is that he was so mad. He, he, he wrote that he said that talking to me uh, ruined his life. It was like right. he was a, uh, he was dysfunctional and everything like that. He, he's a crime writer for fuck's sake. Right. That's, That's our what whole thing too. <laughs> that was our he, whole thing too. He's contacting too. prisoners. He's contacting yeah. people in prison all the time. And he's talking to murder. Now, this is what my take on this. He asked me about that. He said his his sister-in-law was killed by a serial killer, right? Right. That's what he said. Now, he tells, gives me the facts. Well, the facts are, he, he tells me that his sister-in-law and his brother were living in this basement of his house at the time. He wasn't a writer. He wasn't this crime writer at the time. Right. And he was on dire three. He had no money. Right. And he was he was banging his sister-in-law. Oh, well, there you go. Jesus Christ. He was, he was banging her while the guy, while his brother was out on the road. She was, she was prostituting herself to him. And it just so happens that night before, she came to him and said she needed 500 bucks for drugs or something. That was his story. He said he needed 500 bucks, and he refused to give her the money. I think it was blackmail. Right. I think it was. I think it was blackmail or extortion or something. He said, oh, either you pay me the money, give me the money, or I'm going to tell your brother you're fucking me. Right. Or something along those lines. But there right. that's a, that's how it was. Now he next thing you know, she she ends up strangled or dead in some some room somewhere. And he claims it's a circle, but he, he injects himself into the investigation all the time, keeps asking how things are going, right? <laughs> well there you go. That's a clue he's right acting there. Like he's guilty. Now I, I believe he's either guilty of the crime of killing her or right. is responsible for the death of her sister in law. Right. And yeah, in some respect, now, if, and if he, and if that's not the case, then he's he's responsible for the fact that he didn't give her the five hundred bucks she was asking for. Right. If she if he had he given her the five hundred bucks that she was asking for, she wouldn't have had to go out and prostitute prostitute herself out to a serial killer, right. or whatever. Maybe maybe the drug guy, maybe the the drug dealer killed her. I don't know, but maybe he did. Right, and, and I told him this. I said, I think if, if if I asked him one time, I said, "Well, were you ever a suspect in your sister-in-law's death?" He said, "No." I said, "That's bullshit." Yeah, because everybody because in their life is a suspect. Everybody, every, all family members are, yeah. are suspect to the family member's death until they're been eliminated. I right. think the police should take another look at them. Right. Seriously, I think they should take another look at them and just say, "All right, let's take another look at this whole situation here, Mr. Phelps." Right. And let's look at this. Now, he says that I, because I talked to him and stuff like that, it, 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 it ruins his mind. I think it's because I accused him of killing, killing his sister-in-law. Ah. That would make more sense. Right. Well, <laughs> I, mean, it, I, think that, I think that's why. I think because I, I still believe that he's responsible for the death of his sister-in-law. Right. Whether he actually did it or, or he was, or that the fact, or he's, he's culpable because he didn't help her out with the money she wanted the night before. Right. Well, if that we, was the case, we find out a lot of times that 
the people who interject themselves into the investigation a lot are actually the the perpetrators because yeah. they want to well, be right there to know what the pe- the officers are finding. But just consider this: he became a crime writer soon after, and he wrote about and he right. he followed his sister in law's death. Right. And so he listened to what the cops were saying. So that's how his writing went. Right. That's how he became all this great writer that he is. Right. Because I believe that he he followed his sister in law's death and he. He wrote about it, and that's how come he's he's so prolific now when he when he talks to other people and gets he gets right into this whole deal. Right. And he's a good writer. I've read yeah. his books. I've read many of his books. Me he's too. A good writer. I mean, now what, is he actually responsible for his sister in law's death? I don't know. Don't care. Right. It's just speculation, and yeah, it's and you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> I just came up with an idea. Yeah, actually, I think I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to say that. on my part. Yeah. But, I'm going to say that Keith, that talking to Keith and visiting with Keith just totally ruined my life. But then I'm going to say, you know, talking to Todd Colehep, uh, who I've been uh, chatting yeah. back for, him and the BTK and killer. I, and I mentioned and, my child, and I can't believe I did that. I got too yeah. personal. <laughs> I talked about yeah. my son, Jake, and now, now I'm just, I'm, I'm ruined and, and distraught. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's Jesus. just it. It's like, he's been a crime writer all these years. So he's been, like, he knows the you know, the bad things that happen out there. And it's like, if you're in that and you're like delving into the depths of that, why aren't you in counseling anyways? Scott and I have learned that we have to compartmentalize and not take things personally because we sometimes do. Uh, Totally, totally. You know? Well, I've dealt with crime writers since I've been incarcerated quite a bit. You know, I I, I had this guy, Christopher Barry D. out of of the United Kingdom. He wrote... He wrote a chapter on me and said that I was arrested in the John Slago case for first-degree sexual assault. Right. So I was convicted. And that's I'm, not the I, case. I was, the case was dismissed. Yeah. Right. I, I know about Christopher D. too, because I've read his books, too. went away. And this is, this is, but I, I've told him that. I told his publisher, I said, there's no documents to say this. I, I was actually, the case would have been dismissed. What are you talking about? Right. There's no convictions there whatsoever what are you dealing with and they had to pull the book and wow course, i get a letter from i get a i get a letter from christopher barry dean he's like uh you know i can write whatever i want because i'm a crime writer and you're incarcerated so there uh-huh well but they can't yeah, claim it's non-fiction then well you know he's he's an asshole that's what he is right agreed just is how it is i mean right he wants to you know he, he reminds me of a, a zane gray novel Okay. Everything he writes, everything Zane Grey want, wrote, you might you, all he's doing is changing the characters. Everything else is the same as the book. Right. And so that's the way Barry D writes. Everything's the same except for the characters. Right. So every time, every every little you, you run into these common sayings that he has in the books. Right. About how he drove around a corner and the hubcap comes flying off and he goes, oh, 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 you know, and stuff like that. Anyway. Right. Well, it gives me the most stuff. This is what gets me about serial killers and the media in general. Is um, so as I mentioned, I've been talking to like Todd Colehep. If you don't know who he is, then I you now talk about that off air. But um, him, everybody knows who BTK killer is. Uh, Dennis Rader. I got a Ward Weaver uh, in San Quentin that I that, that Ward I talked Junior, to. Not the third. Yeah, not the third, <laughs> not the one who killed the two girls in Oregon City, but his dad. You know, these are people that the media will sit there and go, look at how horrible these are. These are monsters. They're animals. They belong in cages. And they, they paint this picture of the snarling beast who's sitting there going, oh, I'll kill your whole family. Her, her. And in reality, honestly, 
I've never felt threatened by you, Keith. Not even in the least freaking yeah. bit. Todd Cole well, haven't felt threatened. BTK, Dennis fucking Reader, why, don't feel threatened. And the reason why, and the reason why you're not threatened is because I have a TV set. Oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, so I have a TV set. Now you come to visit me, I'm, I can't, uh, I can't guarantee your safety if they took my TV from me. <laughs> That's comforting. Thanks, Keith. You know what? Fucking comforting. In an episode of Lockup that actually happened. They took a guy's TV and he assault. He like shanked this other guy because they wouldn't give him his TV back. <laughs> no, I, I have a gut feeling you know, that this is a, this is this is an incentive prison. Mm-hmm. The, the system here in, in Oregon is run on an incentive level. So you right. you base everything on what you you can have. I can have art supplies. I can have all this stuff. We have an eighteen hole putt putt golf course out on the right. out on the track, right? We got baseball, everything. And the reason we have this is to keep us satisfied, keep us in a dormant state of mind where we don't have to worry about killing people. Right. And so that's what they do. They they, they pacify us. They babysit us with a TV set. And that's what right. it is. It's, they 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 make sure that we're 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 kept. And that's right. the way it is. We're kept. They don't want a good day in prison for a guard is nothing happens. Right. They don't that's have the... a, a riot. They don't have any of this. It's just a, a normal open the doors, shut the doors. Everybody walks around. No no fights. No nothing. Right. So that's that our a good listeners... day for a guard in prison. So our listeners understand. While Keith's given that as an example, seriously, I don't even think with that as TV set, I don't. I, I still wouldn't feel threatened. Like, yeah, because you know, you and I get along. Well, we we shoot the shit. We've got great stories, and I like it because when we talk off air, we talk like truck drivers. I mean, we we sit and bullshit and just have a good time. Well, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm telling I'm telling his 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 GPS how to get to places. Right, Which yeah, exactly. That was spot on, man. Well, and that's something that we've had to answer questions to, too, is like, well, when you talk to them and you give them airtime, you're condoning it. No, we've, t- we've mentioned all the time, we don't condone their actions, but they are people separate from those actions as well. You know? Yeah. Your whole life yeah, wasn't... I think, the f- what, I think what yeah. you talk on, on the Florida case here while we're here is that um, the woman that I picked up was looking for a ride going to Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Okay. And she is headed that way for a reason. I don't know why, but she wouldn't tell me. But uh, I was hoping she would have told me, but she didn't. And uh, she was, and she had left. When she got in the truck with me, she saw how much room I had in the truck. She was like, can we go back to Miami and pick up the rest of my stuff? And I was like, <laughs> looking at her, I was like, listen, I said, I, I got loaded in Cairo, Georgia. I got to go to Cairo, Georgia. I got to be there before midnight to get loaded. I do not have time to drive from Tampa down to down to Miami, pick yeah, up your like, crap, yeah, fill my truck with your stuff to haul you all the way over to Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Wow. Right? She had this. She looked at how much she just wanted to overwhelm, just take over the truck. Right. When I got when she got in, it was like uh, she was probably so used to giving orders and people following through with them that. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, you want a ride? You want a ride? I'll give her. I'll get you on the way over to to, to Nevada. I'll get you that probably to Nevada. Probably right. not, I, I probably won't get you all the way to Lake Tahoe because I don't go to Lake Tahoe. Right. But I'm sure I could probably get you maybe to Reno or or Wells or somewhere like that where she's on the way. Right. But that was that was the basis of why she got in because 
she, well, she was out in the parking lot looking for a ride. There's drivers walking up to her, trying to grab her on her arms and come with me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, I walked up to her and I said, where are you going? She says, show me where it was. And well, I pointed to my truck over there and I said, all right, there's my truck. I said, I'm from Washington State. I'm going to probably drive through Nevada at some point going that way. Um, I don't know when I'm leaving, maybe in an hour or so. But if you if you want to ride with me, there it is. If not, whatever. And I just walked away. Right. I didn't I didn't, didn't grab her arm. I didn't push her this way or that way. But next thing you know, I'm in the restaurant and she's standing over me. Why aren't we gone yet? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And like like we stated in the la- the last last week is you know a lot of people say you know because you've been convicted of murder. It's like, why did these women go with him and everything like that? It's like, because he was a good-looking man who had, like, this personable personality that, you know, it's and all this stuff. Threatening. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I Caesar Baroni. I was, I said, it's, I, be surprised how many people I've given rides to. Right. To their full destination. Right, never exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, because Cesar Baroni, before he was arrested for murdering those women here in Oregon, I knew him because he worked with my mom, and my mom trained him. I flirted with him. You know, it's yeah. like and people like, well, how could you do that? I said, because I didn't know he was a killer, and he was good-looking well, and charming. Because you jaded him is why he turned her new a killer, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly well, he was a killer right before he moved to Oregon. No, and don't Washington even give me your Florida. crap. Here's what happened: he didn't have twenty se- bucks, and <laughs> bitch, I was only seventeen. Was, that's all was twenty dollars. Well, that's, that's what Scott says, or five dollars. Twenty's a twenty, yeah. Tammy. <laughs> we so horny. Yeah. <laughs> but did you die? <laughs> No, yes. God always tells me, yeah, whatever, Hookerella. 20 is a 20. And I'm like, I have never sold my body. <laughs> no, you can't sell it. You just lease it out. Well, it's kind of like mother, an apartment. You know, my, my mother, went, you know, my dad always said that my mother went out to earn extra money, right? Yeah. She came in with $12.25. Dad <laughs> says, well, who gave you 25 cents? She said, everybody. <laughs> oh, that's messed up. Oh that's horrible. That's fucked up, but that's hilarious. That is horrible. They all gave her 25. <laughs> yeah. Well, and my mom's always famous. Like, I'm like, how much money are you going to give me? She goes, $12.95. <laughs> I just, my yeah. whole, my Google just shut down on me. Oh, weird. Yeah, whatever. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's like really weird. But, yeah, because a lot of people say that. Effect. Yeah. Well, a lot of people just, I mean, that's the first thing is like, you know, how could these people, because it's not like you were like Richard Trenton Chase, who looked insane, you, you <laughs> no know? Shit. Well, you know, we're not all Hannibal Lecter. Well, that's true. Too. Oh, yeah, but I wouldn't have believed he you was know, a serial killer either at first. <laughs> well, the TV, the TV shows, I mean, this is, right. this is a depiction. Right, exactly. Everything is, is geared on horror. Right. You got Jason, you got uh, Michael Myers, and you got this. And everybody goes to those TV shows, I mean, those movies, right. and expect to be scared. They want to be right. scared. Well, the biggest problem I have with that is, like, you know, Michael Myers can walk really slow. Right. And every time these people are running away, they turn around, he's right behind them. Right, exactly. Or they run slowly. upstairs to get away. <laughs> well, it's like the one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hide behind the chainsaws. 
Right, exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's a fact. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That, that commercial says, let's get in a run, running car. No, no, let's go hide behind the chainsaws. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. And the guy's looking at him going like, really? Yeah. You going to help me with this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, but yeah, but that's anyways, how it Phelps. is. So back to Phelps. I, you know, Phelps has a bunch of photos of mine. I wanted to get back. He, he's entice. He's trying to get me enticed to the idea that I, I, I need to call him back or something like that. So I, so I can get my photos. He's, he's like fishing. Right. So he's, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to talk to me. But yet he wants to talk to me. Right. Exactly. So his, his book is that I make him sick, but at the same time. I'm making him money, so why not? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. So, um, and that's all it comes down to. Yeah. Ex- I, well, I, I think I've served it. my purpose. I've served my purpose with him, and that's why he cut me loose, and that's why I wrote the book like that. Right. And the book was, The, the Dangerous Ground was mostly about him anyway. Right. Yeah, because yeah. what we read about him being traumatized by interviewing you and everything was on a, um, like a blog somebody interviewed him and it's like scott and i were reading that and i'm like really dude yeah we were really both our heads. i think it came down to his fan base yeah right oh, totally man he wanted he wanted to pacify his fan base to say he didn't want to come off as being really my friend right exactly you know we we talk like we are talking right now but it's, he never mentioned how i distorted him until he wrote an article about it and sent me the article one time. I was looking at it. I said, what the hell is this crap? Right, exactly. What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm making you your, you know, your anxiety and stuff like this because you're talking to a killer in prison. You you, you, you do books on, on killers all the time. Yeah, it's, you this is your people job. In all the time. <laughs> yeah. What the hell's wrong with you? I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe, see, maybe he needs to go walk in the woods and take a bullet and shove it, you know, take a gun and blow the top of his head off. I yeah. don't know. Well, and that's just it. He was like, you know, I was so depressed and my marriage fell apart and, you know, I didn't know what to his do marriage, because... His marriage fell apart because he was fucking his sister-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> and that was way before you. <laughs> well, and then, of course, then that's his, his marriage fell apart. But he has, he has a child in Utah, one of these, right? you know, from a book signing. I guess there's a book signing. And, and I guess she looked at him with her goo-goo eyes and... They fell in love for the night, a one-night stand, and they end up having a baby. Right. And, of course, he has to pay child support. And, of course, he's paying child support. He has to go visit. Right, exactly. So is he visiting just the baby or visiting the mom as well? I don't know. I don't care. Well, yeah. I like how you say they yeah. fell in love for a one-night stand. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that what we do? I mean, men are like this. I mean, we look at, we look at, the, the, we look at two things. We look at your breasts and we look at your eyeballs. Right, well, Exactly. Maybe, Maybe three things. We might look between your legs. We don't know. Well, no, later, like, yeah. Whatever it is. I like a nice ass. That's me. Your voice, your voice has nothing to do with it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's how just many it. Beers, how many beers can we... Are you a cheap gator or, or is it going to take a lot more? Right. <laughs> are you the, are you the ugly one night. we walk home with after at quitting time or are you the cute right. one we go home at 9 o'clock? I don't know. That's just crazy. <laughs> See, that's funny now that you mention it, because I have had a lot of guys say, oh, my gosh, you're perky, and your eyes are so beautiful. It's like, thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I was always told that I have these nice eyes. 
Okay. What color are your eyes? That, you know, my girl, my uh, Roberta was like, she was, she, she commented on the fact that the reason she went out with me because of my eyes and the way I, I looked at her. Oh, okay. It's probably going to sound gay, you know, but uh, his eyes are blue. I, I didn't look okay, like thank the you, wolf, Scott. I guess. I didn't look like that wolf. That, uh, right. They go, oh, Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, Scott, yeah. you we already know you're gay because you told Chief Whiteclaw he had beautiful eyes, too. <laughs> That's because my dispatcher... Well, I had a cousin named Jim John that thought his eyes were... He, they thought he, was, he thought he had these beautiful eyes, and they were blue. Really, I mean, really a rich, true blue. Right. And I remember my grandma, who, who he stayed with at one time, and she would never complain about anybody, but she complained about him. Oh, really? You know, because he was... The way he acted and so forth. See, he's one of those guys that knew and done everything in his life. Right. I remember when he came to visit us in, in the mobile park, and I was I was pouring concrete driveways, and my dad wanted me to have him help me do pour a couple driveways, and and I was I was telling him what to do, and he was he's like, you can't tell me what to do. And I said, whatever, then get the hell out of here. Right. And then my then he then he made my father so mad. He, my dad finally turned to me and says, Hey Keith, why don't you take him rattlesnake hunt with you? <laughs> I said, well, sure, let's go do this. So I went up in the hills. We were out after rattlesnakes. And I said, we're, have you ever hunted rattlesnakes before, Johnny? Said, yeah, yeah, I've done this over on the East Coast. I said, oh, really? Okay, well, show me how you've done. He walked up to a piece, uh, like a sagebrush or tumbleweed, and he'd raise it up and stick his head underneath. No snakes in here. <laughs> well, and are there rattlesnakes on the East Coast? Yeah, the Eastern, yeah. The oh. Eastern Diamondbacks. Eastern Diamondbacks. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was like, really? And of course, he didn't. He didn't know. I mean, I, I, I. So I said to John, I said, "All right, now if one bites you, you expect me to carry you to the hospital?" I said, "Well, yeah." He said, "Well, if it bites me, are you going to carry me?" He said, "You weigh too much." I said, "Well, I might think you weigh too much too." <laughs> That's right. Scott always <laughs> says, he goes, I don't have to run fast. I just have to run faster than you. That's what I always say. If we're getting chased by a serial killer, I'm going to trip you. I don't have to be the fastest guy. I'm just going to be the one smart enough to trip you. Right. And it's like somebody going up and, you know, grabbing a rattlesnake by its tail because they want the rattle. It's like, dude, they can swing around no, and bite they turn you. turn around and bite you. Yep. Exactly. It's like, no, they will, dude. They will strike you. you if you cut, I'm saying that the head is off the snake. Right. Cut the head off the snake. And you reach and you grab your knife and you cut, go to cut the tail. Right. The, the, the head that used to be there would come around and strike at you. Yeah, I've reason. heard that. That, you know, yeah. their head stays, like, active for, like, I can't remember how long. Yeah. So, like, people I've have literally gotten bit that way. Got, yeah. The, the stubby on the end of the neck hit me, on the, hit me right where I was grabbing onto the tail and the thing came around and struck at my head, my hand with its, its little, minus its head. Wow. And I was like, that freaked me out. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, exactly. That yeah. is crazy. Rattlesnake is some yeah. good eating. I've never had rattlesnake I before. Love, I love that. You know, I, I had rattlesnake in, in Texas. I was down there in some rodeo down there. That day. And I was down there and, and I was eating rattlesnake. I didn't know I was eating it when I ate it. And a guy asked me, so well, that's rattlesnake. And he told me it was rattlesnake. I said, oh, I said, what do you think it tastes like? I said, it tastes like snake. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was fed turtle so one time. Said, well, it tastes like it tastes like rabbit or it tastes like chicken or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it no, always it tastes, tastes like, like chicken. It has yeah. it has a distinctive flavor. Let's just Very. say. Yeah, well, and that's just it. Is like somebody fed me turtle one time and didn't tell me it was turtle. Right, and they go, "Well, what does it taste like?" I said, "It's like a very moist but kind of fatty chicken leg." 
And they're like, it's turtle. I'm like, oh, thanks for telling me now. You know, but I've never had squirrel or snake or possum or any of that stuff. And to this day, Myrtle the turtle still misses her husband. <laughs> Shut up. Well, I, I told you, I told you about the turtle crossing, didn't I? Yeah, well, you, everybody was stopped for a turtle. No, it was a turtle crossing. No, I, I, I didn't get that story. Oh. Did I tell you when I was trucking down in Texas and I came across a turtle crossing? Uh-uh. Wow, that was, this is funny. This is hilarious. I, I think it's hilarious, anyways. I was headed down to McAllen, Texas. And I had a load of apples on, and I was driving along this four-lane highway, and there's like a 50 feet between the two lanes on, on, on the south and two lanes on the north. Okay. And, you know, Texas is relatively flat, right? I'm just driving oh, along, yeah. and, and uh, I see this thing, turtle crossing. I'm like, I started laughing. What the hell are they talk about, turtle crossing, you know, deer crossing, or whatever. But it, oh, there was a the, the land, can, it, it drops down into a marshland, right? Uh-huh. The highway drops into this marshland, and it goes for about three-quarters of a more mile. And there must, be, there must have been about 20 of these damn pie plate-looking size hubcaps crossing the road at one time, right? <laughs> and, I'm, and, and I'm swerving to miss these damn turtles. And I missed, I missed 19 of those puppies. And the very last one, I couldn't avoid it. And I got it on my front steer tire on the half tail. Uh-huh. And I hit it. And it was just like, you know, it's like taking a watermelon seed and put it in your fingers and you squeeze it and it pops out, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what that turtle did. It popped off the side of my truck and flew about five feet above the ground over to the oncoming traffic and bounced off the windshield of a car going 60 miles an hour in the other direction. Oh, shit. You know what? Right? We and heard it shattered about that, this yeah. guy's window. It shattered this guy's window. And I'm going like, and I just grab another gear and get the hell out of there, right? I'm, I make it about... 15 miles down the road and I looked back in my mirror and I got a red light flashing there and there's a, a brown and white uh, sedan pulling me over, right? And I pull over the side of the road and he's parked behind me and I get out and I walk back there and he says, back at that turtle crossing, you ran over a turtle. And I said, is it against the law to run over a turtle? I missed nine, 19 of those son of a bitches, right? Yeah, you should give him I credit. I missed 19 of those and, and I hit the one. He says, well, when you hit that one, it it popped in and slid over to the other side and hit a car going the other direction. And I said to him, are you suggesting that I did this on purpose, that I hit that turtle with such precision to pop that sucker out and make it hit that windshield and the car going the other direction? Is that what you're trying to say? And he said, well, at least you should have stopped and exchanged insurance information so that you can turn in your insurance and you could pay for his windshield. And I said, well, and I said, Listen, I said, why doesn't he, why, why doesn't he just file on his insurance that a flying turtle <laughs> hit his window and let his insurance discover, you know, what that is all about, right? I mean, why is right. he? And the cop starts laughing, right? Right. And he, and, he, and I kind of chuckle too, and he, we're both kind of laughing. And he looks right at me. He says, "I tell you what," he says, "just go on your way." And he says, "If anyone else pulls you over." You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> I had cops tell me that before, too, because they let me go off something they shouldn't have. Um, but, no, it's like we ran into that one time when we used to we had another comedy podcast. But this woman and her daughter were driving comedy down the road. Remaining. Oh, okay. I'll call you back. Okay. All right. Damn. That was a good first two calls, man. That was a he, lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, we did get, get a little sidetracked, but I'm glad we kind of talked about the um, Jane Doe case in California because hopefully there will be progress on that case soon. 
because Briar Mitchell did file for you know to the to the cold case um, group right. that helps with that. Yeah, right, right. Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> I hate to admit this, but I think that we're pulling Keith into our ADD. Oh, yeah, and we're getting, not just that, is we're also pulling him into our web of demented <laughs> crap, because sometimes he'll be just, like, so polite and everything, and then you and I will crack a, like, a stupid joke or something, he goes, oh, yeah, and then he kind of get you know. I think it's fucking hilarious. I, well, especially when, maybe it wasn't that case, I, it might be the uh, one of the other calls where he talks about my mom, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'd be like, yeah, Scott always talks about this, he goes, wait a minute, how old's your mom? Is the plumbing working? Oh, like, yeah, because no, we talked dude. about him banging when he was younger, yeah, a seven-year-old girl. I, well, but I can't blame him. Yeah, that's true, because you do like the older women sometimes. And I especially like your mom. Damn, yeah. I would peel her panties off with my teeth in a heartbeat. You disgust me. That's because you don't want to know that I love your mom. Whatever. All right, right, let's wrap this one up so we can get to another episode. Remember, boys and girls, to check us out on Facebook at Citizens of Brutal Nation, where you can comment. You can cuss me out there, too, and I get them pretty quick, and I'll cuss you out back. Yeah, and interact with other fans. Interact with other fans. Everybody just wants me. That's it, and it's all cool. That is not what that page is for. Check out our Etsy page. There's some great shirts on there. Uh, I'm very reasonably priced, actually. We're we're way below what our competitors are, and I think ours are better. But I'm biased. I'm biased. Well, and not just... That is a lot of competitors just have the, you know, the serial killer's face or whatever, and then nothing. It's like, we have the face, but we also have like a clip art photo, you know, and weird sayings that are directly associated with them. And we both have a face for radio, so there's that, too. You know, that's (laughs) true, too. I I said that to you a couple of times. (laughs) Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. This show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And remember, if you're hearing any part of this on anybody else's podcast or show, they're lying, David bastards. We'll see you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.